0: Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. To learn more about the church, feel free to drop by fredericksdachurch.org. A Million Thanks is part one of a new series on the end times from Pastor Quintana. He shares why it's so important to be thankful even when times are tough and reminds us that better days are coming. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. It's the best for me. I don't know. I just, I love it. I love everything about it. I love what it represents. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's the t- a time of the year where you get to come together with family and friends and just eat. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful food. It's just a great time. Um, I had an opportunity um, to go home for Thanksgiving So I spent the last uh, few days down in Apopka, Florida. I say home. Home's in Boonesboro. What am I talking about? I'm at home where I grew up, you know, with my, visit with my my mom and with my family. And this was the first time in five years that the whole family was together. All the brothers, my sister, um, spouses. This was the first time in five years. The last time we were all together was five years ago when my father passed away. And this was the first time that we were able to get together as a family. And how many of you know anything about Cubans? Somewhat a little bit like uh, Puerto Rican. You know, you have that, uh, that uh, excitement. You're loud. You're up till 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes, that was my week we had a wonderful, wonderful time. We had four generations present. My mom and then um, my my brother was there. My brother's daughter was there. And then her um, son was there. And so we had four generations there present. Little Daniel is, uh, is four years old. I've only I've only seen him once before. And it was really neat to kind of catch up to him and and, uh, kind of run around the house and try and tickle him. Because still, I'm scary. I'm a stranger, you know. Deal, uncle, deal, Titi, who's that? But uh, it was good to spend time with the family. And uh, we we were gathered around the living room cracking jokes and just having a good time. We had just finished eating. And uh, we got to thinking and reminiscing about uh, when dad was around and some of the silly things that he did when he was around. And, and we were just laughing and joking. And, and my sister uh, said, she, she just said, you know, I, I wonder if we'll be around for the next 30 years. And she said, I wonder if I'll get to see little Daniel grow up, graduate, get married, have kids. I wonder if we'll be around for the next 30 years. And my sister-in-law said, nope, no chance. Isn't going to happen. Definitely Christ is going to come before then. The world will come to an end in the next 30 years. And well, you know how it goes. Well, you don't know. I mean, dad was saying that when he was young and then, you know, the argument back and forth. Well, it can't last very long. Well, yeah, but you never know. And besides, we need to be ready. And so we started that whole conversation there among the family about how much longer um, it's going to be. We are about to start a sermon series on the second coming. We're going to start a sermon series and we're going to look at some really interesting text. We're going to look at some scary text. We're even going to look at some prophecy, particularly some prophecy in Daniel. So you don't want to miss the next few weeks. But if you remember the series that just ended was a series on peace. And if you're visiting with us here for the first time, or maybe you haven't been with us the last several weeks, you might have a hard time um, understanding what I'm talking about, about having peace in the storm. And I want to encourage you to go to our website, fredericksdachurch.org, and download those sermons and, and kind of get caught up. Because I wanted to have a sermon series on the second coming. But I realized that that subject oftentimes brings fear. A lot of times it makes us scared. A lot of times we think to, when we talk about the second coming and what's to come, we don't want to face it. And it draws us back even further. And that's why I thought it was important for us to have a sermon series on peace preceding this. Because it's important for us to know To remember, to understand that we can have peace in the storm. We can experience peace in the storm. And I say that very seriously because there is a storm coming. One that we've never seen before. For a lot of us here, if we're not prepared if we're not, uh, if that relationship with Jesus Christ isn't secure, isn't solidified, well, the Bible says that there's a good chance that you might not make it through that time. It's such an intense time that Jesus himself said in Matthew 24 that it is such an intense time that that time has to be shortened. Or else no one would be saved. We're talking about some pretty desperate times that are just on the horizon. And you know, when you look around the world today and you see what's going on in India, when you see what's going on in the Middle East, when you see what's going on around the world, when you see what's going on here in this country, when you see what's going on just down the street, you can't help but to think that Jesus is soon to come. And so that's why I thought it important to first talk about peace, to first give you some practical things that you can apply to your life that can help you experience peace, that can help you build that inner peace that's necessary to make it through the storm. I also found it very necessary for us to look at what the Bible says about the second coming. What's it going to look like? When is it going to happen? How long is it going to be? Are we really that close to it? All of, these ans- all of these questions will be answered in this sermon series on the second coming. And so I encourage you to come. To, to bring your word. Bring your Bibles. Follow along with me. Because we're going to look at some pretty interesting texts. We're going to look at some awesome texts here today. And, and you know, I realized that all too often pastors in times past have used this teaching of the second coming to try and scare you into, into the baptism tank or to make a, a decision for the Lord. Now, I want to remind you that the Bible is very clear. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. So as we go into this sermon series on the second coming, I don't want it to be something that brings fear, but something that encourages you, something that brings hope, something that gives you a reason to live. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. John... Chapter 14, starting with verse 1. I thought it important to begin this sermon series with the actual promise. Right? The actual promise. Now, John chapter 14 is just one of many places in Scripture where you can read about the second coming. In fact, if you take some time to go through the minor prophets in the Old Testament, it is filled with descriptions of that day, that last day when God appears. And, and, and throughout all of Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Bible author after Bible author talks about the second coming. But I thought it important for us today here to look at the actual promise that Jesus himself gave to the disciples. Now you will remember that here in John chapter 14, we're nearing the end of Jesus's life here on earth. We're we're nearing the end. It's the last few hours. And here he is talking to the disciples and giving the disciples kind of last minute instructions. And this is what he says in verse 1 of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. He starts off by saying, don't be scared. Find peace in what I'm about to share with you. Don't, don't live a life of unrest because of what I'm about to say. No, do not let your heart be troubled. Then he goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, in my father's house, there are many dwellings. It's the little word there for mansions. There are a lot of dwellings. There are a lot of places. In my father's house, there are many places to live. Listen. If it were not so, I wouldn't have lied to you. I'm not telling this to you because it's a fake. No, this is the truth. If it were something different, I would have told you something different. I'm not lying to you here. And so he says, in my father's house are many dwellings. And then he says, if I, I'm sorry, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place you. Now, a lot of us stop right there. Because a lot of us, that's what heaven is. I finally get my mansion. Heaven is soon on the horizon. I finally get to walk on streets of gold. I finally get to fly. I finally get to breathe underwater. I've heard people say that. I finally get to enter through the pearly gates and walk on the streets of gold. And that's what heaven is. And unfortunately, the materialistic world that we live in, this consumer mentality that we live amongst has crept into the teaching of the second coming. Because for a lot of people, when they think of heaven, they think of all the possessions. They think of all the things that I'm going to have at my disposal. Everything that I want, anything that I can imagine. Well, guess what? I get to have it once and for all. Forget the 52-inch plasma. I get to have a 152-inch plasma. And for a lot of us, when we think about heaven, we think about the material things. We think about the things that we will have. We don't think about who is going to be there. We think about what is going to be there. And if that's where you are this morning, I want to challenge you to maybe start changing your focus, start switching your focus to what heaven is really all about. Because he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's the promise. I will come again, not might come again, not I'll think about coming back again. No, he says what? I will come again and receive you to myself that were I Listen to how beautiful this is. That where I am, there you may be also. That where I am, there you may be also. Notice it doesn't say that where you are, God will be. Right? Which a lot of times in our little world, in our little circumstances, sometimes we, we think that the world revolves around us, life revolves around us, right? He makes it very clear, no, where I am, there you may be also. I'd like to challenge you with this thought. If you were to hear breaking news, news flash, Jesus Christ isn't going to be in heaven, how does that make you feel? Uh, what feelings does that stir up? Do you walk away going, man, that's too bad? We'll do fine without him, though. If you were to hear the news that Jesus Christ was not going to be in heaven, what attitude do you take towards that? Man, that's too bad. I was really looking forward to meeting him, but we'll just have to go on without him. Or does that bring feeling, such, such a feeling of, of, of depression? Does that bring such feelings of, of just feeling so lonely that you want to cover yourself with sackcloth and ashes? You cry out, no. <laughs> if Jesus isn't going to be there, then I don't want to be there. I remember when uh, um, Heather and I first got married and uh, we had an opportunity to go to Paris France for our honeymoon. And uh, we spent, it was an incredible time, just an amazing time. And we were there for a week. And uh, of course, one of the highlights of going to Paris is, of course, the Eiffel Tower, right? I mean, you have to go to the Eiffel Tower if you're in, in Paris. And so, we went, and this is when I found out um, one, probably the only, weakness that Heather has. (laughs) In case she's listening. No. (laughs) She's afraid of heights. You too? She does not like being farther up than, than five feet. I mean, she just does not like heights. Now, she's gotten better in the last few years because I kind of push her and nudge her and come on let's do it let's go no no and I'll kind of like drag her along but when we were in Paris my I mean we're going to the Eiffel Tower and of course we are climbing to the very top right and so we get there and and she's being a good sport about it and she looks up and she goes I'm not going up there what do you mean we're not going up there? We took a nine-hour flight here. This is what you do when you're in Paris. You, you f- climb all the way to the top of the, of the Eiffel Tower. Nope, I'm not going up there. You can go up there, but I'm not going up there. Heather, please, come on, let's do it. I, I don't think I can. And she's telling me, no, I, I can't go up there. I said, all right, well what do you want to do? She goes, what do you mean? You go up. No, I don't want to go up. I want to be with you. Let's go. What what do you want to do? I've seen it. I was so in love. Wait a second. I used the past tense. (laughs) I am so in love with her. That I, you know, really don't care to do anything in life unless I have her next to me. You see? You see that relationship that I have with Heather? And when I was there at the Eiffel Tower, if I wasn't going up with her, I didn't want to go. when we think about heaven, where is your relationship with Christ? Is your relationship with Him so neatly woven, woven together? Is it so tight that that heaven would just be a bore if He wasn't there? And so often, when we talk about heaven, we talk about the streets of gold and the pearly gates and the and the the, the crown that we're all going to receive and the mansion that we're going to live on and and I wonder if God will give me my own planet. We talk about what's going to be there, and all too often we forget about who is going to be there. And so I want to challenge you that as we talk about the second coming, as we talk about heaven and and all the things involved in it, I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember that that everything around the second coming revolves around a creator, A God who loves you so much, that that wants to make certain this relationship, wants to solidify this relationship with you, that he wants to come and take you home. There's nothing to fear. It is God coming to to rescue his family, to, to save his sons and daughters. He says here, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you may be also. You know, this one promise has brought so many people through so many difficult circumstances. This one promise alone... That Jesus, that the creator of the universe, the savior of the human race, has promised us that he will come again, has brought so many people through so many challenging times. I remember going through a very difficult time while I was at Southern. Um, My undergraduate, I was getting my undergraduate degree, and for the first time, and I spoke about my, my commitment to go into ministry several weeks back. But for the first time, several years into this, I started to question the whole thing. Is this what God really wants me to do? And, and things were just, um, I don't know, things weren't gelling. They weren't clicking for me. So I thought financially I was having a hard time at work and, and just things were, were difficult for me. And I remember calling my mom and saying, Mom, I don't know. I'm just going through a tough time. And I remember what she said to me. She said to me, Son, she said, remember, there are better days coming. There are better days coming. And I don't know if she knew the seed that she'd planted in my heart when she said that. She probably just, you know trying to, to give me some advice, some words of encouragement, just kind of spoke those words to me. But, but I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, she's right. There are better days coming. And, and yes, th- there will be better days just ahead. And, and, and I was encouraged, I was empowered to, to continue in the path that God had placed me on. Well, many years later, five years ago, when my father passed away... My mom was now going through a very difficult time. Nearly 50 years together, almost 49 years together, they had been together. And now dad, all of a sudden, gone. And now, you know, having to to take all the responsibilities of of the household and and the bills and, and the children. Can you imagine the weight of responsibility? My mom was going through a tough time. And I remember visiting with her, And I said to her, I said, Mom, I said, do you remember what you told me when I was at Southern, when I was going through a tough time? She said, yeah, I do, actually. She says, what do you think gets me through each day? I said, better times are coming. That's right. Better times are coming. And you may be facing a very difficult Placed in a very difficult position right now. You may be having a hard time at work. Better times are coming. You may be having a hard time in your marriage or in your families. You may be pulling your hair out because you don't know where your kids are doing. Or you're upset about the decisions that they're making. Better times are coming. You may have been laid off. You may be struggling financially. Guess what? Better times are coming. You may have just recently lost someone. And you don't know how you can continue on. Better times are coming. Better times are just on the horizon. And as we embark in this sermon series on the second coming, I want you to take courage. I want you to take hope that better times are coming. I know it's very easy for us. To forget. It's very easy for us to lose sight. To lose focus. To say you know what. Forget it. To throw your hands up in the air. And say he's, he's abandoned us. He's, he's forgotten us. I'd like to remind you. What Peter wrote about. In 2 Peter chapter 3. If you'd like. I'll give you just a few seconds to go there. 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3 is towards the end of the New Testament. He says here, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. And I guess that's what I'm hoping to do here today, is to stir up your pure minds. I see some chuckles out there your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. He says, listen, let me remind you what the prophets of old have spoken about, what the apostles and the disciples have preached about. Let me remind you, Knowing this verse, listen to this, that scoffers will come in the last days. People will come and mock. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. There will be scoffers among us in the last days saying, where is this promise? You're holding fast to this promise. Listen, they've been saying this for years, for centuries, even before Christ. Your, your father, your grandfather, your great grandfather, they all held firm to this promise. And they will scoff, they will mock. In Verse 5, it says, for this They willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which now are preserved by the same word. I keep on emphasizing that word, word. Because if you remember, the creator of the universe has brought into existence, by his word, creation itself. By his word, he's brought forth the universe. By his word, he made light come forth. By his word, he made the heavens and the earth. By his word, he makes stars. By his word. And by his word, remember Jesus Christ, by his word said, I will come again. There is power in his word. There is power in this promise. And so he says, by the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition, which means destruction of ungodly men. But beloved, Do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. We get caught up in days and weeks. We get caught up in months and years. And and, and we lose sight of the fact that we serve a God who's not held in time. He's not imprisoned as we are in time. To him... A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years like a day. And so it says in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises or His promise. As some count slackness. In other words, He's not some lazy guy up there. He's not someone that says something and then not follow through with it. And certainly, you know, for some of us, we 've been um, involved in families who who we, there are fathers who give a promise and, and not follow through with them or or teachers who, who maybe promise something and, and not follow through with them or or family members or mothers or friends who will promise something and not follow through with them and then somehow some way we try and define God by our own experiences and we forget that God ...is God. And that his word is powerful. And that He, if he has promised something, that promise will come to pass. That promise will be fulfilled. And so he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise... ...as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, which means he is patient. He is patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should have come to repentance. Ask yourself this. Is God holding back the winds of destruction on you? Is he up there going, no, no, not yet. They're so close to giving their life over to me. Not yet. They're so close to surrender. They're so close to entering into that covenant relationship with me not yet the reason he delays the bible says is because he wills he wishes that no one perish we here have a responsibility to hasten his coming i mean if we want him to come soon we have a responsibility you know what that responsibility is it's very simple it's for us to surrender our lives over to him it's to say god here i am I'm all yours, I'm ready, I'm ready. And the second responsibility that we have is to then go forth, is to go out and to share this beautiful message of love, to share this message of a creator who loved us so much, who died on our behalf so that they too may find Jesus Christ. I go back to the words that my mom spoke to me many years ago. There are better times coming. And whatever situation you may find yourself in, whatever difficulty, whatever trial you may find yourself in, remember, there are better days coming. Why? Because the God of the universe, the God whose word has power, has spoken and has said, I will come again there are better days coming no matter where you are on your spiritual journey Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way they are a family oriented grace-filled church serving the Frederick Maryland area you can feel free to learn more about them at fredericksdachurch.org for more podcasts you can click on sermon audio